0: All right, I was, uh, I've been reading and thinking through First Peter and I just, the intro where he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Um, I hope that is true for you today. If you're joining us online uh, or if you're here in person, I hope that you will experience grace and peace in abundance this morning. Now, I needed this, um, I actually have have a confession before we open to 1 Corinthians 7. If you have a Bible, you can open there or turn on your phone, open your Bible app. 1 Corinthians 7, we're going to be in verses 17 through the end of the chapter. I had a bad attitude coming into this passage, all right? I've been kind of kicking the dirt because a couple weeks ago I had to give the sex talk and that was awkward and I was sick and I was having to do it on my computer and you guys all had to watch it and so sorry about that, but... Um, then I got this passage and it's, it's just confusing. I mean, I've studied the Bible a lot and this week I'm just in commentaries trying to make sense of what is Paul saying? And, but here's the thing. I didn't get it, but, but after reading this, I am convinced this is so timely for us. We need this word from 1 Corinthians 7, so I can't wait to share it with you. Here's the point, kind of the the big idea of what we're talking about this morning is that your circumstances, as difficult as they may be, should not keep you from obedience to Jesus Christ. Let's look at this in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. We're going to kind of go through this section by section and try to make sense of what the Apostle Paul is teaching us, verse 17, let each one live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him. That is what I command in all the churches. Was anyone already circumcised when he was called? He should not undo his circumcision. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? He should not get circumcised. Circumcision does not matter and uncircumcision does not matter. Keeping God's commands is what matters. Let each of you remain in the situation in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Don't let it concern you. But if you can become free, by all means take the opportunity. For he who is called by the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called as a free man is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of people, brothers and sisters. Each person is to remain with God in the situation in which he was called. In this section, uh, there is some confusion. what's Paul talking about? Well, sometimes you can look for repeated words and phrases. Well, we see eight times in these handful of verses this word called. When you were called, when you were called. And that gives us a hint and reminds us of the context that Paul's talking about. When we look at, what does he mean when he says, when you were called, we might think of that as like, what's your calling? When were you called? And we think about our vocation, maybe our, what we're studying, where we're working, what our purpose in life is. Well, if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, we see how Paul uses this word. He says, God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So when Paul uses this word calling, he's referring to your conversion. He's referring to the time that Jesus Christ saved you, rescued you from your sins. And so he's saying, when you were saved, you were saved, you were living in all kinds of different situations and circumstances. And he gives us a couple examples. He starts with this example of being circumcised or uncircumcised. What does he mean here? He's talking about some of you were Jewish. Your ethnicity and your religion was Jewish when you got saved. Some of you were not Jewish. You were Gentiles when you were saved. And here's what he says. If you were Jewish, don't try to stop being Jewish. Don't try to undo that. And... If you were a Gentile, if you were not Jewish, you were not circumcised, you weren't raised in the synagogue and all those things, don't try to become Jewish. He says in verse 19, circumcision, circumcision does not matter. Literally, he's saying circumcision means nothing. Now, you have to understand how culturally insensitive this is, what he's saying. What a highly controversial thing for Paul to say this because in the first century, to a Jew, being Jewish was all that mattered. I mean, they had a whole big chunk of the Bible to prove how important their Judaism is, how important circumcision was. And so Paul is saying here, Your relationship with Jesus Christ makes your religious background, your ethnicity mean nothing at all. Now, think about our culture and how we think through cultural distinctives. Uh, For us, you know, that almost means everything to us. It's, It's what groups us together. For some people, it's like you know, black, brown, white, ethnic, you know, your, your ethnicity tends to matter a lot to your identity and define who you are. But Paul's saying, don't worry about cultural, religious, and racial distinctives. What matters is following Jesus Christ. So when you think about Veritas Church, uh, in our membership class, we don't talk about political affiliation. We actually don't care who you voted for. Uh, we don't give an American history quiz and make sure you believe all the right things about our history and whatever. Those things aren't important to us. Like, what binds us together in unity is our doctrine, is our belief in the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ and his word. Those are the things obedience to Jesus is what matters to us. So that's what Paul uses as his first example. The second example he gives in this passage is about slave and free. Now when we hear those words slave, we have to understand the historical context here that the ancient Greek slavery is not like, was not like our American slavery, which is, is just a horrible uh, thing to even have to, to think about. It's, a, it's an evil in our nation's history. Uh, in theirs, not to say this was a great thing, but uh, actually some people preferred slavery to being free because it guaranteed that they had uh, security and shelter and food and all those things. But about a third of the population of Corinth probably would have been living in slavery. Here's here's kind of what I would say Paul is saying to us as we think about being in 2020. This is the equivalent of Paul saying, listen, if you are at the bottom of the social ladder with your work, you may have a menial blue collar job. He's saying, rejoice because you are free in Jesus Christ. You are free in him. Your life in Christ has meaning and it gives meaning to the work that you're doing. Conversely, if you became a Christian and you were like a rich, powerful person, you have a prestigious job, he says to you, hey, remember to be humble because you're the Lord's slave. Like, what defines your existence as a human? is not the things that the world looks at. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not your religious status, your ethnicity, employment status, marital status, gender, these external things that give people in the world their identity. Those things mean nothing to someone who's in Jesus. So he's saying to us, don't worry so much about changing your circumstances Don't worry about leaving your culture, your job. Those things are irrelevant to the main thing which is obedience to Jesus Christ. Now here's a question that I have. Have any any of you had this thought? My circumstances are getting in the way of my relationship with Jesus. You might be in a difficult marriage. You might be single. You might be in a very difficult job. You might be suffering. You might be in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> and you might be thinking, if only I could just get past this so that I could get back to focusing on my relationship with Jesus. Here's what Paul would say to us, verse 17. Live your life in the situation the Lord assigned to you. And again, in verse 24, remain with God in the situation in which you were called. Recognize that it might be God's providence that you are in the circumstances you find yourself in. And focus on growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So many things you can't control but you can control your passion and your devotion to Jesus Christ. Okay, but that begs the question, when is it okay to try to change our circumstances? Well, he goes into verse 25. He uses this example. We're gonna read verses 25 through 28. He says, so now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I do give an opinion as one who by the Lord's mercy is faithful. Because of the present distress, I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is. Okay, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. However, if you do get married, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned, but such people will have trouble in this life and I'm trying to spare you. Now, in this example, he talks about now about virgins. What, what is he referring to here? Likely, this is an, an engaged person, someone who's not yet married, but is in an engagement relationship. Now, it could also just mean someone who's single or unmarried. All right, for whatever reason, single or unmarried. He says to this demographic, you have the freedom to choose what to do. You have the freedom to choose what to do, get married or not. Verse 25, he says, I have no command from the Lord. Now, likely the Corinthians were making all these rules about whether or not some people should get married or have sex as we began in verse one, their question. And they're they're throwing down all these rules. And he says, listen, there's no command from the Lord on this, but he says, listen, because of the present distress. Now literally in the language he's saying, there's because of the stuff that's pressing in on you, I do have some pastoral advice for you. Now that's very important to the context of what he's going to say, because he, he's giving some pastoral advice to, to the church given the present distress. Now, we don't know exactly what's happening. We don't know if they're in the midst of a pandemic. We don't know. Chapter 11, verse 30, he talks about how people in the church are getting sick and even dying. That might be the distress. He might be talking about just the distress of being a marginalized minority in a culture, Uh, an oppressed, uh, persecuted Christian, right? Living, kind of sort of going against the stream, we, we don't know exactly what the present distress is, but his advice is, hey, who needs extra burdens given the situation we're in? And he says, because of that, I think maybe singleness could be a great option. Now, his advice, as you continue to read, goes back and forth. It gets really confusing. You're like, Paul, what is it? Get married, single, I don't know. He kind of goes back and forth a little confusing, but his reasoning for why is not confusing. I want you to see this in verse 29 through 35. This is what I mean. Okay, good, tell us. Brothers and sisters, the time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't own anything. And those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it, for this world in its current form is passing away. And I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but the married man is concerned about the things of this world, how he may please his wife and his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord so that she may be holy both in body and spirit, but the married woman is concerned about the things of this world, how she may please her husband. I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to put a restraint on you, but to promote what is proper and so that you may be devoted to the Lord without distraction. He wants us to have a paradigm shift in how we view the world. That our existence is not to be defined by the present world which is passing away, not by our circumstances which are temporary, but he wants us to see our existence through the lens of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to be detached from the world and just saying, ah, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, I don't care about the world. He just wants us to be free from its control over us so that the things that dominate and dictate the existence of your friends that don't know Jesus and your family that don't know Jesus should not define and dictate your life and thinking. He summarizes in verse 32 and 35, he says, I want you to be without concerns or I want you to be without anxiety. Wow, we need that, right? Any of you guys feel anxious? Paul says, I don't want you to be anxious. Verse 35, he says, literally, I don't want to put a noose around your neck. He says, I want you to be devoted to the Lord. Without distraction, verse 35. So here is an obvious application for us this morning. Now I want to say this clearly to if you're watching this online or if you're here, I want to speak to you right now. Are you anxious or afraid right now? Anxiety, fear, anger, outrage. Here's the obvious thing that you need to do this morning. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have never come to the place where you have transferred your trust entirely to Jesus, if you have never turned away from your sin and run to Jesus Christ, this is is the time you need to be called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. You need to transfer your trust to Jesus who was crucified on a cross, was buried in a tomb, was raised to life and gives you the hope of eternal life. All you have to do is turn away from your sin and trust Jesus Christ. Okay, that is the obvious application to this passage is trust in Jesus Christ. But number two, it's this. Don't let your mind and your soul be consumed with 24-hour news cycles and social media. This will destroy your joy and your soul. Don't let today's headlines be the basis of your joy or your outrage? Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things of life will fall into place. What you will eat, what you will wear, all those things. Romans 12.1, Paul says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Psalm 1, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but but delight in the law of God and meditate on him, his word day and night. That's how you become a tree planted by streams of water that bears good fruit in season. I just wanna ask if your life is a tree, what do your leaves look like right now? Are they green? Are you flourishing? Are you bearing the good fruit of the Holy Spirit of, of patience, love, joy? peace. That's what the soul of someone who is anchored in the word of God and the promises of God and devotion to Jesus, that's what their tree looks like. If your leaves are withered this morning, I want to encourage you and just ask, like, what are your roots tapped into? What is your mind meditating on? Paul doesn't want our circumstances to get in the way of our devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what he means when he says, hey, if you're married, you should live as though you don't have a wife, or if you're weeping as though you don't weep. He's not saying get out of your marriage or whatever. He's just saying, remember that your devotion to Jesus is what matters. And this begs the question. Okay, so back to the original question. Are my circumstances something that I can change or not? Because I don't think the application of this is just be a fatalist. You know, Christians are just kind of passively, you know, just do whatever and they don't take initiative and they don't work hard to change their circumstances. Here, I, I'm going to give a few examples. Number one, let me give example number one is a friend of mine. He was in ministry. Uh, Young man in his mid 20s got married, bright future in ministry. His wife left him. He was not unfaithful to her, he was a good man, and she left him. Does he have the freedom to move on and seek divorce? Well, Paul gives that example in verse 15. We talked about this last week. If your spouse has left you and abandoned you, he says you are free to move on and his reason is to live in peace, verse 15. The second example I wanna give to this question, are my circumstances something that I can change or not? If you are single or you are engaged and you're trying to figure out what you should do. Well, he says earlier, I I have no command from the Lord, but I would give some advice to think about how this decision is gonna affect your relationship with Jesus. But in verse 39, he says this, a wife is bound as long as her husband is living, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to anyone she wants, only in the Lord. Let me interpret this for you. He's saying, just know. If you decide to get married, which could be a good option, you are bound to that person. You are bound if you get married. Now he says, only in the Lord. He's saying, but don't don't marry an unbeliever. Like that, that would be ridiculous. He's saying, only in the Lord. Like if you're gonna get married... Marry someone who's also following Jesus Christ. So I would say to you, if you're going back and forth, like I'm in this relationship with this person or I wanna be married to a a Christian man or woman, I would say, well, if you wanna know if it's God's will that you should get married, you know what you should do? Get married, then you'll know for sure this is God's will for me, right? Like I'm in this marriage, right? Don't let yourself get too much in your head about this. He's saying, you're free to choose, go for it. Now, I will say this to the, the single crowd, uh, which there are many in, in Veritas. Take this, these words from Brian Dermody. Brian Dermody on staff here, we call him coach. He said these words. He, spe- he said, I spent a decade of my life Throughout his 20s, he was single all throughout his 20s. He said, I spent a decade of my life focused on waiting for a spouse and I missed so much of the life that was right in front of me. I think that's exactly what Paul's saying is don't let your circumstances keep you from devotion To Jesus Christ. And ironically, the woman that he was waiting for, she wasn't worried about waiting around from him. She jumped on and actually Carrie Clement at the time helped plant Veritas Church, right? And she was single all through her 20s, right? And she just went about the work of Jesus, and then boom, her and Brian ended up getting married in their 30s. Beautiful thing. And the point there is. Don't let your current circumstances keep you from really pressing into Jesus. Now, let me give a third example to answer this question Are my circumstances something I can change or not? Verse 27 If you are in a hard marriage, a difficult marriage with an unbeliever, and they are willing to stay in the marriage, his advice to you is verse 27 Do not seek to be released, be faithful. I wanna end with a story. The story actually starts with some of the worst dating advice that I've ever heard a pastor give. This young woman um, in her mid-20s came to this pastor and asked his advice on dating and purity. And um, you know, this, this woman was in a relationship with someone who didn't know Jesus. I was kind of asking the pastor's advice on purity, what this looks like. And I think the pastor said something to the effect of, well, you know, the more you save, the happier you'll be. What does that mean? I don't know, but, you know, and, you know, if you're married in your hearts, you know, you are already kind of committed. Just this like abstract bad advice, this pastor managed to blur the lines of right and wrong and help this young woman justify her decision to marry this unbelieving man, which led to 35 years of a very difficult marriage and situation. Going through seasons of Depression and hardship, raising these two little girls, struggling to raise them in a Christian home, sort of fighting the current uh, of a of an unbelieving husband uh, who was willing to go to church and that, but but himself did not believe. This this mom was working hard to teach her daughters Luther's Catechism and Bible verses, but but fighting the stream, the current of an unbelieving husband and somehow some way all those years she stayed faithful to this man. And actually this family went on a trip. Uh, They went on a cruise and on the airplane ride home, one of the daughters sat next to someone on a plane who told her about this church plant in Ames called Cornerstone. This is back in 94, 94, 95, somewhere in there, and the church had just started, and this person said, oh, yeah, I go to this church. Well, this girl decided to start going to that church, showed up all by herself. Actually, she became a Christian, and she started bringing her sister, and then she became a Christian, and both of these daughters ended up getting saved. Well, About 10 years later, in 2007, her husband, after praying for him for every single day for about 40 years, he came to know Jesus. And this family was saved. Well, this amazing, godly, faithful woman was my mother-in-law. And I am enjoying the fruit of her faithful life. A year ago, just this past week, she passed away. And she continues to disciple her husband through her journals that she wrote and he sends us excerpts of these journals. It's the passion and love of a woman in difficult circumstances, who is not using her circumstances as an excuse to not walk with Jesus. your circumstances, as difficult as they may be, should not get in the way of your devotion and love for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. I just have a couple questions as we close for you to reflect on. What's distracting you from pursuing Jesus with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind? Just even now, you can just tell Jesus. Just tell him. Tell him what's distracting you. And confess it. And repent of it and change it, and ask for his help. Another question might be, what excuses are you making for not obeying Jesus? Yes, singleness is hard. Yes, the marriage is hard. Yes, the parenting is hard. Yes, the pandemic is hard. Yes, the political climate is hard but are those good excuses for not seeking Jesus? Those aren't just excuses, those are reasons to seek Jesus. And my prayer, Lord, is for everyone watching or listening that you would give them a vision of how beautiful you are, that your kingdom is like a buried treasure and we wanna find it Oh God, we want to find it and we long for your appearing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.